is the BearCast, presented by Bird Culture Ford. Bird Culture Ford has been in Waco since 1936. Ford is the number one selling truck in Texas, 43 years running. BearCast is also presented by WellMed Medical Management and USMD Health System Dallas. Here's Craig Smoke and Grayson Grundhafer. Hey, good afternoon and welcome into a brand new edition of the BearCast on Sikkim365.com, 365 Sports. Thank you for joining us as always, whether it is live like it is right now on the YouTube channel or if it's later on in your day or in your week. We certainly do appreciate it. I'm Craig Smoke. Joined as always by Grayson Grunhafer. Got Garrett Ross behind the scenes as well. And uh, over the course of the next 60 minutes or so, we'll be diving into some postseason basketball, wrapping up the regular season. Uh, Not a lot elsewhere as far as football goes and news-wise. I did see an offer thrown out there, Grayson. Uh, We can kind of touch on that if if you feel like it. But uh, mostly a hoops edition this week, as uh, that's what really starts to now... Uh, take the uh, top billing with postseason tournaments getting underway. And, uh, man, it's it's officially March Madness, man. How are we doing this week? Yeah, finally, March is here. And, you know, you got two basketball teams that I, I just are so kind of unpredictable, to be honest with you. And so I think that's going to make this March very interesting. Hopefully they each are able to make some long runs and able to, you know, create some March magic um but we'll see we'll see i think the you know a lot of this is going to be matchup dependent but right now i think the first thing's first and that's taking care of this uh, big 12 tournament that's coming up this week yeah kansas city the destination uh, a cool spot i haven't been able to have the full experience uh, I've, plenty of people have heard the tale my one trip to kansas city was uh less than 24 hours long because it was the covid year it was when uh, the COVID uh, tournament, uh, or I guess the COVID shut down the tournament really before it got even started. I think there was maybe that playing game the night before, and I'd arrived like right before that had tipped off, spent the night, and then wake up the next morning, do a earlier than normal show as what we thought was going to be like a pregame, and turned out to be just like the final pre-COVID broadcast <laughs> that I would ever do. And I didn't see a game, didn't see a game, but uh, everybody going up there this week, uh, is in for a real treat as the best conference in college basketball on the men's side of things uh, is about to have what should be one heck of a tournament. And on the women's side of things, um, not as interesting, not as deep of a group, uh, but certainly some things to, to be planned for and looking for when it comes to Nikki Collin and the Baylor women. So let's go ahead and dive right into some hoops and start with the men's tournament because, again, this is going to be a, a deep field. Uh, it's been a heck of a season I got postseason awards coming down the pipeline as well. Uh, but let's go ahead before we touch on those and uh, kind of just take a look at, you know, how we got to this point with men's basketball where uh, they are, you know, sitting in the tournament at, uh, you know, a nice seed and you'd love to be all excited about the first round matchup, but it's impossible to be given the way that uh, the final week of the regular season ended and how they'll turn around and face the same team that they just got done facing. So last week, uh, beat Oklahoma State on Big Monday. That was good to get a win over the Cowboys. That's a team that's been flirting with, you know, are they in, are they out? But a scrappy team nonetheless up there in Stillwater. Uh, so you get the win over the Cowboys, and that was tough. That was not, you know, uh, that was a game where you were up big and you thought you were going to breathe pretty easy, and then they made a run and, and made it a little bit too close for comfort. So you still get the win, and that's great. But then you turn around and face Iowa State at home on senior day, and mind you, the Oklahoma State game in Stillwater, so you got your, your final road regular season win. Uh, but you come back home for what's going to be a double dip, both the men and women, their, their send-off. The last time that there will be a regular uh, regular season finale at the Farrell Center because they will, you know, in the middle of next season, depart for uh, the new arena. Uh, but you turn around and you face an Iowa State team that thumped you pretty good uh, at their place, you know, in the first meeting. And they, Grayson, thumped you good again in the second meeting. And unfortunately, there's going to be a third meeting. If this is a bad matchup for them, they're going to have to figure something out quick because it will be Iowa State now again in the first round of the NCAA tournament. So they just played them, just lost to them, go 0-2, and now facing them 
for a third time coming up here on Thursday morning. Yeah, I mean, so two losses by 15 points to this Iowa State team, and everyone keeps saying, oh, it's a bad matchup for Baylor. I think the first go-around, Iowa State was playing really good basketball, and Iowa State, you know, up until their kind of collapse in the middle of the season had been elite at home in Ames. They'd been really, really good, really tough to beat. So the first one's understandable. But this one, I mean, Iowa State was coming in 2-8 and eight in their last 10 and Baylor just laid an egg. I mean, they did not play good at all. Uh, Jalen Bridges and Keontae George finished 4 of 19 combined from the field. Um, if you want to throw an LJ Cryer, too, then they were 7 of 30 from the field. I mean, it just was not a good day uh, offensively. And you ended up with Flagler had a great game. He had 20 of their 58 points, and Dale Bonner played well off the bench. But outside of that, they just they did not play well at all. And um, while I do think there's something to be said about the matchups, I just don't think Baylor was ready for the physicality that Iowa State you know, kind of came in with. And it seemed like Baylor just took Iowa State very lightly, um, which I was shocked by on senior night. They were complacent, did not play well. And now you go into this game, and for me, this game is all about two things. You know, coaching, are you able to make the adjustments finally that you weren't able to make the first two meetings? Are you able to put your players in position to um, be successful against this Iowa State defense? And secondly, this is all about the players and kind of their pride and their ability to come out and be like, hey, they, they've they smacked us twice. Let's find a way to be the more physical team, to take our game to them. Can Baylor do that? And that's why I think, you know, while people will say the Big 12 tournament doesn't matter, to me it doesn't really matter, but this game matters. Um, and the reason for it is because you got to be able to prove that you can make adjustments uh, to various matchups that you're going to get in the NCAA tournament. And you also have to prove that you can be the more physical team uh, against a team that is very physical. Um, so I, I'm very intrigued by this one. It's an important one in my eyes. Oh, yeah, it's it's definitely an important game. I mean, you don't want to go 0-3 against somebody. And, you know, the thing of it, it was the Cyclones were, you know, rolling in on a four-game losing streak. They had just had a situation where, you know, one of their very notable players was booted off the team for saying something that we're still not quite sure, but you can kind of just assume that it was, it was obviously pretty bad if they decided to boot him off the team. Um, and so they're facing that, and they turn around and just slap you around, man, like it was like it was just the first time all over again, except for just a different location. And yeah, I'm not, I'm, I saw plenty of that. It's a bad matchup for them, but uh, I just felt like with both basketball squads, there was a really a strange, just sort of uh, you know lack of energy and lack of killer instinct for what was the home finale. I mean, I just I expected more from both sides, and it was like both rolled in. And you would have thought that they were each number one seeds and had locked it up and were just, you know, getting ready to prance through the Big 12 tournament like it was, you know, nobody's business. But uh, that was, you know, certainly not the case. And, yeah, now you have a, a third game with uh, Iowa State, who's obviously going to be very confident uh, squaring off with you coming up on Thursday uh, mid-morning out in Kansas City. Um, and the way that it stands right now, uh, Baylor, um, not like super affected by the um, by the uh, seeding overall, like the bracketology with the loss to to Iowa State, but uh, it's still something that's you know obviously notable that they can't seem to uh, to get over this hump. So what you're looking at as far as the tournament goes is uh, Baylor and Iowa State. Baylor as the four seed, so they will play in that 4-5 game, but the play-in games the night before uh, in the first round, you're going to have West Virginia and Texas Tech in the 8-9, uh, and then Oklahoma State and Oklahoma the 7-10 the game. Uh, but Baylor-Iowa State will end up playing the winner of a number one seed Kansas and whoever emerges from West Virginia and Texas Tech. So that's what they're looking at, either Kansas or Texas Tech or West Virginia in that second round game. But again, they got to get past Iowa State first. And yeah. that's anything but a guarantee. Absolutely. And, you know, I think that this will be a sign of kind of what this team's going to be about in the NCAA tournament. And, you know, honestly, we haven't seen a lot of Baylor magic in the Big 12 tournament for a while. I mean, they've kind of been one and done or mm -hmm. just get into the tournament and then lose and, you know, not really care about it. But I do think that sometimes the tournament does matter and sometimes it allows you to kind of find yourself again. I mean, I do think this Baylor team kind of needs that. And, you know, getting Keontae George back last game, he clearly wasn't, you know, 
all the way back to being 100% and maybe a little bit rusty there as well. You know, maybe Langston Love comes back. They have some guys that they need to reintegrate into their lineup and kind of, um, you know, patch some of those things up and get some of those things figured out. Now's the time for it. I will say, you know, the path isn't going to be easy because if you win this game against an Iowa State team that's probably going to have a better crowd than you, then you're likely going to play Kansas, and we know... You know, it's a home away from home there in Kansas City for uh, the Jayhawks when it comes to the Big 12 tournament. So just uh, another thing to keep an eye on it and to remember if they do win that first game and have to play Kansas. Yeah, I don't remember who was playing in that playing game uh, that, that year that I went, uh, the COVID year. I do want to say, though, I think it was Iowa State, and then I, I don't remember who they were playing, but I vividly remember Iowa you got I think some- it was Texas. It might have been. I feel like it was Texas and Iowa State that year. It might have been. Yeah, it might have been. I, I just remember, like, showing up, doing the show, uh, getting, like, unwound. And I remember walking down to the lobby and seeing, like, a flock of Iowa State fans. Mm-hmm. Like, there was a ton of them there and kind of getting my bearings as far as, like, oh, you can walk this direction and do all that. <laughs> and that was, like, the extent of my exploration. But they were jam-packed to the point I'm trying to make here. And so they will definitely be – out there in full force, and that's the argument for having the tournament in Kansas City is you get all the Kansas fans, you get the Iowa State fans, you get the K-State fans who will probably be turning out more than they've ever turned out before uh, this year with uh, Jerome Tang's success. So, yeah, you're going to be facing an away crowd and a team that's beaten you up a couple of times now, and uh, you better have your game face on. But, you know, they they won't have that, like, we got to win to make it in. They won't have that type of edge playing. Uh, So, yeah, it'll be very interesting to see uh, how they fare. Very interesting to see how much longer Langston loves out with the eye issue. Uh, don't know, you know, what to expect exactly there. I just know from like having like a bad contact one time that like it tore in my eye when I was like, mm. I, I slept in it, which you're not technically supposed to do all that often, if ever. Yeah. But it's like years and years ago and I slept in it one night and I don't know, it got, I guess it got dry enough or somehow or another it tore. Oh. Uh, so there's like a little tear in it, which you think you just pop it out and be fine. But I don't know. I somehow ended up with like a partially infected eye. And I know how painful that was and how much I struggled with that for like a day or so. But I can't imagine like him dealing with like a major scratch and infection possibilities and just yeah. the pain of look like you don't realize how much your eyeballs just twitching around mm-hmm. constantly. So if you've got like a scratch on there, that's that's messing with you constantly. Yeah. Uh so yeah, good good luck to him. They definitely have to have Langston Love back to to reach their full potential and and uh, and be at their max. So um, we will see on on that front as well. But yeah, Baylor Iowa State. Uh, then they will the winner of that game faces the winner of Kansas versus the play in winner of West Virginia Texas Tech. Then Grayson in the bottom of the bracket, you got Texas as the two seed, uh, and they will face the winner of the other play in game on uh, on Wednesday night. The play in game Wednesday night winner will face Texas the following day, and uh, that will be either uh, Oklahoma State or Oklahoma. And then they uh, will go on to face Texas or Oklahoma State. Oklahoma will go on to face K-State or TCU in that next round of games. So that's how the Big 12 tournament is set up. Yeah, and I think my expectations here for West Virginia and Oklahoma State to win those first two games, um, both those teams have something to play for. Um, West Virginia squarely in the field, I think, after beating Kansas State this weekend. Oklahoma State, on the other hand, is like right on the fringe. I think they're maybe the first four out right now on bracketology. Um, So I'm expecting both of them to win those games. Um, And then going forward, you know, I kind of, I kind of am sitting here thinking that there might be a rematch between Kansas and Kansas state, just the way that I'm looking at the bracket. I think that'd be a lot of fun and I could definitely see that happening. And that's kind of my, you know, I guess hot take going into this is I think it might be those two that are going to play in the big 12 championship game uh, this weekend. I will say quickly, I think Baylor is playing for something here and I don't know that a lot of people will agree with that, but I do think if they get bounced in the first round of the Big 12 tournament, I think they open themselves up to fall to the three line. And that's a big deal. You know, falling from the two to the three, I I know when you look at the first matchup or two, it's not a big deal, but how it kind of lays out for the rest of the field, and then you're talking about which two seed do you get, you know, that's not a great place to be either. Um, because you just never know what you're going to get thrown your way. Um, so, I, again, I think they're playing for something. Right now, Baylor is on the two line. I think if they beat Iowa State, I think they cement that. I think it's over at that point. But if they lose that game and then K-State wins a game or two, 
I think K-State could jump them uh, on the two line as well. And there's other teams that could make that move. So this game is really important for seeding in the you know national NCAA tournament as well, uh, which I think also makes it very important that Baylor finds a way to lock up that two seed. I, I think you know you could get a great draw as a two seed. You're probably not going to get a great draw as a three seed. It's a little bit tougher. Yeah, for sure. I mean, the higher uh, your seed, the the better you feel. I would think. Although you know, certainly there's a two or three that might not be as good of a draw in your eyes as another mm-hmm. two or three, but still, you'd much rather face. You know, a two fifteen than face any type of three fourteen if you can avoid it, yeah. or or four fifteen, which they're not in danger of that necessarily. We're looking at a two or three basically yes. for them, but you'd much rather have the two as the point. And uh, based on ESPN's bracketology, I know there's a million other places you can go. So if you go somewhere else. Uh, I think you're going to probably see some pretty similar opinions as far as where they fall. But ESPN, for what it's worth, uh, does have Baylor currently as the two seed out uh, in the eastern side of the bracket. Uh, And that would be uh, Houston as the number one seed uh, on that side of the uh, bracket. Uh, But that would see Baylor playing Montana State in the two versus 15 uh, they'd be set up in Denver along with Iowa and Boise State. Now, of course, this is not going to be totally accurate, but that's just kind of a feel for, for where they might fall. Yeah, and right now, bracket matrix, which gives you kind of an idea of every single yeah. bracket out there. Baylor is currently the seventh overall team um, and voting-wise. So they're they're squarely a two-seed right now. Um, but again, if other teams make a run, and I'm specifically looking at Marquette, Kansas State, um, specifically those two, I think they could jump Baylor if they're able to make, you know, get a couple wins if Baylor does lose the first game. Like I said, if Baylor wins the first game, though, I expect all conversations to be over, regardless of what happens to the other teams. Yep, so that's what you got to look forward to. A big matchup on Thursday um, in the mid-morning, so it'll be a lot earlier than we're accustomed to watching basketball games here as of late. Uh, for the most part, um, so yeah, have your, have your, I guess Thursday all set up to uh, get ready to watch some early basketball, and uh, hopefully for the Bears' sake, uh, a win to cement that two seed as we've discussed. Uh, and if not, that'll be a tough pill to swallow. Three losses. 0-3 mark against Iowa State and T.J. Otzelberger. Uh, meanwhile, uh, postseason awards have started to get uh, passed around and uh, certainly a, a plethora of Bears getting uh, acknowledged, in particular their star freshman Keontae George cleaning up a lot of hardware, but getting all sorts of releases. Just a couple of days ago, uh, you had the All-Big 12 awards come out as voted on by the league's head coaches. Uh, bear in mind that uh, head coaches cannot vote for their own players, so that uh, shakes it up a little bit, eliminates any of that favoritism. Uh, you just depend on the league's coaches you know, to be respectful of your roster, and I think that's certainly the case with uh, Baylor's guard trio. Um, I mean, they were the headliners this year for this team, although trying to get them healthy at certain times and get some of the freshman kinks out with, with Keontae George, but uh, overall it's a banner year for the, for the guard trio of Keontae George, Adam Flagler, and LJ Cryer, all of them picking up Big 12 honors. Uh, Keontae George, Big 12 Freshman of the Year. Uh, No surprise to see him uh, get that award. Uh, Also got all Big 12 uh, second team as well. Also earned Big 12 All-Newcomer team honors and Big 12 All-Freshman team honors. So Keontae George absolutely uh, cleaning up. Uh, as far as uh, the recent All-Big 12 awards go. Also had Adam Flagler as the sole All-First Team, All-Big 12 First Team selection. And then LJ Cryer also earning All-Big 12 Third Team honors. And then I saw just a little while ago, uh, you had the media All-Big 12 teams that were announced. And uh, LJ Cryer not on this one, uh, but Adam Flagler and Keontae George uh, were on this one as you had... uh, Let's see here. What was that? Uh, Flagler, first team, and George, second team on the uh, All-Big 12 awards uh, announced by the Associated Press just a little while ago. So thoughts on uh, postseason accolades? Yeah, I mean, really happy for all three of these guys. But I will say, you know, this might just be me watching the games and me just kind of maybe having a different mindset than others. And maybe I'm looking at it wrong. But I feel like LJ Cryer is getting disrespected. A little bit. Fair enough. You know, and I love Keontae. I love what I've seen from him. But, I mean, especially during conference play, 
I mean, the things LJ has done in some of these games, I, I mean, he's he's ridiculous. I know defensively he hasn't been great, but neither has Keontae George. And so I, I just, I don't know, when I watch them play, I, I'm watching LJ shoot like 50% from three, and he's shooting like eight of them a game. And I, I'm sitting there going, I, I don't know about this. And I feel like LJ has been a little bit more um, consistent with his scoring. And, and maybe that's just, you know, a bias opinion potentially, but I do think that there's a little bit of a disrespect factor going on with LJ, but I will say, you know, Flagler and George were so important, obviously to this team. Flagler deserves to be, you know, the, the first team, all big 12 player. He's been their best player for sure. Um, But just, just something notable that I kind of took away as, you know, maybe we need to rethink this because I think LJ has been better than maybe he's getting awarded for. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on Flagler. I think, you know, you can I definitely understand where you're coming from. I think if you just flip it, it's maybe not so much a, a lack of respect as it is just humans uh, being apt to uh, just soak in the big name. Mm-hmm. And I feel like Keontae George is just the name that everybody knows and recognizes, and they're supposed to know that he's a superstar in the making or a yeah. future NBA guy. And I feel like that kind of bleeds into people's heads too. I think so too. Yeah. I, I, I think that, you know, us and seeing here watching them every day and, and being in Waco, we go, man, the things that LJ does at times, you're like, he's the best player on the floor mm-hmm. often. Um, and so, yeah, but I do agree with you. The media and everything along those lines, sure. it, it's very much going to lean towards Keontae. But in general, three really good guards, mm-hmm. three very talented guys, especially on the offensive side of the ball, and three guys who could carry Baylor to a deep uh, run in the tournament as well. That's the hope. Uh, Twenty-two and nine, the regular season mark. Now it's tournament time. As you mentioned, they have not like had a, a lot of major success in the Big Twelve tournament. This has kind of been, I don't know, I feel like some in some cases like an afterthought, or it's just you know not something that uh, they've been able to really conquer. So uh, maybe this is the year. Certainly a team that's good enough to go out and win it, but they need Langston Love healthy to be at full strength. Uh, and they really just need to to rebound nicely and, and put on a good performance against a team they've obviously struggled with. So we'll see that coming up on Thursday at 11.30 from the T-Mobile Center in Kansas City, the start of the Big 12 championship tournament on the men's side. But on the women's side, uh, also getting some postseason accolades uh, rolling in as well. Uh, but first things first, I mean, uh, we talked about it with the men. Uh, you know, big senior day, big excitement level, you know, coming off of a win, feeling like, you know, things are, you know, rolling along pretty pretty well uh, heading into the postseason. And that's certainly how you felt with, uh, you know, women's basketball. And then last week it was a situation where you got a really huge win over Texas uh, to start things off, and that was that was fun. That was a, a big-time win for Nikki Collin and company. They definitely needed that. It was their third win in a row. They'd gone a little bit of a run, but then they turn around and on senior day just, uh, you know, pull – pull the same thing that the men did really uh wasn't the wasn't the outing that you expected for a team that'll be sending off you know important seniors like Caitlin Bickle in their final home games instead of really taking advantage of the streak and beating Texas they turn around and get beat by West Virginia at home 63 to 52 uh so that puts them at 19 and 11 overall on the year 10 and 8 in conference play, which is certainly a mark that uh, has taken some getting used to around Baylor women's basketball circles because that's not even anywhere close to what people have been you know, used to over the last few years. And this now puts them in a matchup of their own with the Iowa State Cyclones coming up at the Big 12 tournament in Kansas City. As on Friday night, it will be the Bears and the Cyclones. And uh, yeah, this ought to be interesting. Yeah, I mean, you don't like the performance against West Virginia. Obviously, they did not play very well, and, you know, that's not great. You know, you don't want that leaning into the tournament, but I would also tell you that if they would have won that game, I mean, that probably would have put them as, I don't know, they probably would have put them in the 4-5 or five matchup, and they'd probably be playing Oklahoma State, who beat them twice this year. And so if you look at how they did against Iowa State versus how they did at Oklahoma State, you feel better about that. You know, they won on the road against Iowa State, should have won the second matchup as well. Um, so I actually think matchup-wise and ability to maybe win a couple games in the tournament, this might have helped them, um, to be honest with you. Because you get Iowa State, then you're probably going to play Oklahoma in the second round, who again, Baylor won one of the matchups and then should have won the second matchup. So, um, you know, I was talking to Garrett and Jack about that, and that that sets up nicely. And if you're able to win a couple games here, maybe, just maybe, 
it could get them to the seven line. Uh, but I think right now, I think they're seeing it like a nine seed. So they're going to need to do a lot of damage uh, to move up. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing is like, losing might have helped you as far as that seed goes, but losing not helping you is your overall picture. Yeah. And so, um, I mean, that's, that would be playing chess, not checkers, if that's what Nikki Collin pulled off. But the, the, you'd rather have gone and won on senior day. For <laughs> sure. Had a big, big For send-off. Sure. But I, I know what you mean. There's not necessarily all negatives to it. Uh, and meanwhile, they have uh, split with Iowa State this year, uh, won the first matchup uh, against the number 12 Iowa State at Hilton Coliseum, 76-70. to And then the return trip uh, back, I guess, about three weeks or so ago uh, at the Farrell Center, then number 22 Iowa State uh, with the four-point win. So trading home victories uh, is what they've done previously. Again, and Baylor should have won, too. Yeah. Another one of those shoulda, coulda, woulda, just yeah. couldn't finish uh, that game. And we saw that a couple times this year. I saw that at least a couple of times this yeah. year, to be certain. So, yeah, Friday night, Iowa State, uh, rubber match as uh, it will be on neutral territory this time around, although you would think that Iowa State will certainly have a, a heavier and, and more favorable mm-hmm. crowd. Garrett, um, you know, your thoughts as far as closing out the season with the uh, win over West Virginia, because we talked about the Texas game since that was on Monday. But, uh, yeah, closing out with a loss, and, and now where do you kind of stack them up as far as this Big 12 tournament goes? Man, there's I was kind of joking around with Grayson earlier because I feel like there's no in-between with this team. They're either going <laughs> to come out Friday and they're going to get beat and they're going to, you know, just come home and get ready for the tournament, or they're going to win the whole thing. Like I, that, That's just how I see it. They're so inconsistent. But if you're talk, looking for advantages or positive points, they play better away from the Ferrell Center. They've done that all year long, um, and they play good against ranked teams. I mean, you have five ranked victories this season, so I think they match up well heading up there. Um, really, when you're facing Iowa State, I think that Baylor can get a good matchup and keep Ashley Jones uh, – inconsistent from the three-point line and I think they can get a win I expect Caitlin Bickle to bounce back I know she was really disappointed with how she rounded out uh, her senior day she only had four points West Virginia did a good job of taking her out of the game Uh, but I like this matchup I think that they can go on and I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Iowa State Uh, but man like I said there's no in between right now with this team no yeah I mean it really is feast or famine with them it truly is I mean one that's why you know you can't ride that roller coaster too much because it truly is like don't let the highs get too high or the lows get too low because you'll have a week like last week where it's like they beat Texas and they turn around they lose to West Virginia on senior day it's like okay well let's just find some middle ground here right that inconsistency really shows up in a tournament setting as mm-hmm. well because they could beat Iowa State by four points then you go to the Oklahoma game and then they lose by 20 like these things just has it's happened to them a lot this year but the good news and kind of like what we've talked about the teams on their side of the bracket they've played really well against um and so that leads you to believe hey maybe they can make a run to the big 12 championship game as we know Every team in this conference is very beatable. We've seen that all year long. And so, who knows? Maybe they're able to make a run. That would be awesome if they were able to make a run this tournament. I think the highest they could get, though, is probably a seven seed. I don't see any way that they get all the way to a six seed. So, in general, you know, in the tournament, they're still going to have to win against a team that's very comparable to them in the first round. And then they're going to have to play a team that they're going to be a huge underdog against um, in the tournament, most likely. Yeah, Oklahoma and Texas sharing the Big 12 regular season championship for what it's worth uh, in uh, women's basketball. Uh, And that sets up uh, the bracket as follows. You've got uh, starting off at the bottom of the bracket with the Bears, uh, Iowa State, the three seed against the six seed Baylor. Again, that game will be on Friday night. The winner of that game will then go on to face the winner of two seed Oklahoma, uh, who gets a, you know, a play-in opponent, and that will be the winner of Kansas and TCU in that 7-10 game. So they'll face, if they can beat Iowa State, face either 2-seed Oklahoma or 7-seed Kansas or 10-seed TCU. And uh, then on the upper part of the bracket, you've got number one overall Texas, uh, who will face the winner of Texas Tech and K-State. And then the winner of that eventual game will go on to face the winner of Oklahoma State and West Virginia. So that's the way the women's side is set up. Oklahoma and Texas both playing, playing um, winners, and then going from there. Uh, but yeah, uh, should be uh, just interesting because we really don't know what to expect. I mean, truly, with this this team and and who shows up as far as you know uh, which version we see. But there has been some consistency. Dariana Little Page Bugs has been 
uh, a great player all year long for this team. And uh, I mentioned the accolades for the men's side. Uh, Dariana Little Page Bugs named the uh, freshman of the year in the Big 12 as uh, those accolades started rolling in on Monday. Unanimously voted the Big 12 freshman of the year. Uh, Sarah Andrews was named all Big 12 first team. Uh, you also had Little Page Bugs, uh, honorable mention, and uh, Caitlin, well, I should start Caitlin Bickle, second team, uh, all Big 12, and then Little Page Bugs also on the honorable mention. Bickle, uh, also Big 12 all defensive team, and you had Little Page Bugs and Bella Fonselroy, that uh, dynamic freshman duo, unanimous all freshman team selection. So I uh, did mention in the release uh, that, that Baylor sent out because they had to make note like almost every week that Little Page Bugs is like the freshman of the week pretty much every single week. Uh, but she is the first uh, Baylor player since 2014 uh, to earn the Big 12 Freshman of the Year. Any guess who that person was back in 2014? I'm looking at okay, it. Okay, Nina Davis yeah. <laughs> was the last Freshman of the Year. Uh, Odyssey Sims, Brittany Griner also won list. that award. Yeah, pretty impressive list. So that's that's rare air and, and good good company uh, for uh, for Dariana Little Page Bugs. Yeah, and I, I'm telling you right now, as I sit here, if they get Edwards uh, back next year, and they're able to to get this core, you know, to keep this core together and bring in the talent um, and bring in, you know, just be able to add and tweak the roster a little bit. They're setting up to be very, very good next year. And I know people don't want to hear about next year, but they suffered so many injuries this season. It completely derailed things. But one thing that I do know and that we have seen from this Baylor program, um, and I know it's a different program now with Nikki Collin, but when a freshman has an elite season, like Dariana Lilpage Bugs is having, they go on to be very, very good players at Baylor. And I mean historically very good players at Baylor. And so I'm expecting that from Lilpage Bugs. And if you have a player like that going forward and you got Bella Fonteroy and you have all this talent around her, I think they're geared up to uh, be very good and, and maybe make people kind of rethink the things that they have said about Nikki Collin in this program during this this tough season. Yeah, perhaps. I mean, winning cures everything, right? It and does. Um, that's that's the biggest attitude adjustment that I think the fan base could get is just going out and winning. That's the best thing that she could do. But it's also easier said than done. And, you know, um, that's a more complex issue than mm-hmm. just, you know, Nikki Collin being a basketball coach. So, um, yeah, I think that there's probably too much of a sour mood uh, surrounding the program, you know, uh, currently. Um, but because there is some, you know, bright spots as far as the, the future goes. But you also, you know, have to go out there and prove it as well. So, uh, yeah, I think, you know, depending on how the, kind of the roster shakes out, there's certainly some some room to get excited about, you know, next year's roster. I mean, Gary, what do you think as far as I got little page bugs and Fauna Roy? And I'm just hesitant to, like, preview too much because just in the NIL era and whatnot, you just never know what the roster is going to look like. But you got those uh, two coming back. Um, Sarah Andrews will be a senior next year. Mm-hmm. Obviously, Caitlin Bickle will be a, a big loss for them, but uh, do you see like the the promise of of next season's roster if it all falls the right way for them? I, I think they have the potential to be extremely good next year. And honestly, I think if if you look this year and they would have stayed healthy for the most part, or even if they would have had Dre, you know, at some point in the season, I think they could have easily won the Big Twelve. Okay, like, I, I, and I'm not. I just think watching them night in, night out, seeing the progression of the team. Uh, the chemistry around them, the way they have bought into what Nikki is selling. Um, but yeah, I really do. And I think that right now you're probably going to see Jaden Owens come back next year. That's something we're waiting to hear. Uh, Asia Blackwell as well. Yeah, if they get everybody together, they're going to be really good next yeah. year. Yeah, yeah. And, and I agree. And honestly, every time I watch them and their consistency problems, to me, has everything to do with production and talent and lack of depth right and lack of depth so you had two players that were all conference players at other schools like that changes everything and I, I think the only two they're for sure gonna lose are Jimmy Asbury and Caitlin Bickle yep. and that's it yeah. So they go hit the transfer portal and find a really high quality guard to put in with these with the uh, people they have coming back I Watch out. I, I just I have a feeling if and that's also if Asia Blackwell comes back healthy. Right. That's that's another part of this. Yeah, I mean there's there's reason for promise, that's for sure. Appreciate uh, both of you chiming in on that and um and giving your thoughts because I think we're all kind of at the same place. And 
you know, uh, it's tough to build, right? I mean, people don't have the patience for building, and you didn't have to necessarily build from scratch by any means, but you kind of said not, not quite all that way, but you had to battle a lot of adversity regardless. And so they're in that process of battling some adversity, and, uh, you know, we'll see how they come out on the other side of it better. But they've got business to take care of coming up on Friday night, first of all, and then we'll see what they do in the NCAA tournament. I think people also forget that you were relying on – players who were recruited to be career role players step up and have to be stars that's and that's fair. a difficult transition i don't no. care who you are yeah no you're absolutely right you're absolutely right the, the star player is uh playing for the the bayou Bengals right yeah. now for yeah. example and uh yeah you were not expecting to build around caitlin bickle for you know yeah, for, exactly. to your point yeah yeah and have sarah andrews have to just right. literally you're like you have to score 20 points against a good team for us to win like, yeah you weren't expecting that either no uh definitely some bright spots to look forward to uh and definitely some more action to, to come uh on for friday night as i mentioned and then the postseason which right now uh just wanted to point out before we move on that uh they have currently on ESPN's Bracketology, uh, Baylor is a nine seed facing Gonzaga uh, in Greenville, uh, or actually in Columbia, excuse me, which, think about that for a moment, and what does that mean, playing in Columbia, South Carolina, as a nine seed? That means that if you win your first game against Gonzaga, if that's the way the tournament were to play out, uh, you're looking at the number one ranked South Carolina Gamecocks in uh, round number two. Don't want those problems. No, you don't. <laughs> no, there's. I mean, we could, we could, we could, uh, you know, try and spin that as much as we could possibly want to, and nobody would buy for a second that, that that's going to be like some. Some fun game for for the Bears, most likely, or really anybody who runs into South Carolina. Quite frankly, they are a juggernaut with Don Staley at the helm, and uh, yeah, the number one overall seed is is what you might be looking at. So if you can change that up at all in the next couple of days uh, with your performance in Kansas City, I uh, definitely definitely should try and do that, which they will. So we'll see starting on Friday night against Iowa State men. Uh, on Thursday mid-morning against Iowa State. And that's where we sit with uh, basketball on uh, on both sides right now headed into the postseason. Uh, Grayson, football-wise, I saw there's an offer out, but not really anything besides that going on. we still got a little bit of a wait, not too much farther, but a little bit of a wait until spring football kicks off. Yeah, I guess just uh, really quick just to mention, I've already posted this on the board uh, somewhere, but uh, Deuce Adams, the quarterback out of New Braunfels Canyon High School, he's going to visit this weekend, um, which is kind of weird that he's visiting this weekend. A lot of um, prospects and recruits are going to be up in Dallas, which is where I'll be for the Under Armour camp. Um, that's on Sunday. That'll be a lot of fun. Get to see a lot of Baylor offers. I mean, that, that camp is loaded with offers. It's always probably the best camp all year long. Um, so I'll be out there, but he'll be at Baylor uh, taking an unofficial visit. It's going to be really important to keep an eye on that. He's he's a good quarterback. Louisville, Boston College are two other schools standing out to uh, to him right now. Um, but the other quarterback that they've offered recently, uh, Haas Haney, he's not visiting until April 24th. So, I mean, if Deuce decides to make a decision early, uh, that could be something to keep an eye on, uh, especially coming off of this visit right here. But those are the two top priorities at the quarterback position. I had notes on Haas last week. We talked about on uh, 365 Sports Radio as well. Uh, Just kind of, he's got a great attitude and a great mindset. Very good quarterback, elite athlete. He's committed to Duke right now, uh, but Baylor's been recruiting him hard. And then on the Deuce Adams side, I'll, I'll have a little bit more on him later on this week. But I'm expecting uh, him to have a visit. He's building a great relationship, and those two guys appear to be uh, the two guys really standing out right now as far as who could be the 2024 quarterback. There's not been a lack of news football-wise since the season wrapped up uh, with that just abysmal bowl game out in Fort Worth. I mean, that was that was not a fun way to close the season, but, man, it was like less than – I mean, shoot, that day, that day they landed the pledge of Dominic Richardson. Uh, and since then, it's just been what seems like constantly news out of the transfer portal or all of the coaching staff changes that occurred. You had, obviously, some things to figure out quarterback-wise with – you know, the whole Austin Novosad debacle on signing day, which then turned into Sawyer Robertson's transfer. I mean, they have had a busy offseason, and uh, here in, you know, the next, um, you know, few days, we'll finally get a chance to 
would say finally. It's only been like a couple months since we last saw him, but uh, it also feels like a little longer than that. Uh, but we'll finally get a chance to start seeing the, the seedlings being planted for this 2023 football team. So looking forward to that. We'll obviously, as spring ball gets underway, talk a lot more about football and various topics uh, pertaining to the team from the quarterback competition to replacing the O-line. Uh, to shaking up the secondary, I mean, all sorts of things uh, to get to, and, and we'll start in on that heavy uh, as practices uh, start to get underway. For what it's worth, combine over the weekend, uh, Connor Galvin, Siaki Ika, nothing really to like mention there. Um, it's going to be a pretty quiet draft, I think, for the Bears overall. I mean, those are the two guys you're looking at possibly getting drafted, um, and you know, definitely feel great about Ika. Just don't know where, but certainly more of a second-round selection than he is a first-round selection at this point, it appears. And with Connor Galvin, I mean, that could that could vary uh, greatly. Um, and somewhere in the middle of the draft is probably where he goes. Outside of that, uh, not much to report back on from the combine. Certainly not like a couple years ago when, like, Kalen Barnes is running the fastest 40 time in, you know, second to John Ross in history. Yeah. and. It just seemed like Mims there's was flying. Yeah, like yeah. there's just you know there's been various highlights at, at the combine. This is just not one of those years where where we're seeing that. So that'll be reflected um, in the draft, just in terms of you know the amount of players we're talking about and you know the way that it, uh, it unfolds. Ika could go early though. He I've could, seen, yeah. I've heard you know various things. The problem is, is it's so hard to predict for him because he's got to land at basically a perfect spot that runs the kind of defense that utilizes someone like him and yeah. so that's the hard part to project but I think he's you know going to be a first three round pick some have him and some were talking about him in the first round I don't see that but no second or third yeah I could definitely see that day two guy for sure he was talked about as a first round pick uh and just certain earlier articles and, and whatnot that I read um, and then obviously he sat out all star season and I think spent a lot of that time with family and just training or whatever. And this was this past weekend, the first time we'd really seen him uh, in action since the Texas game, the mm-hmm. regular season finale. He'd been training in, in kind of a way ever since then. And uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've seen that first round talk. I feel like that sort of dissipated and has turned more into like anywhere from late first to middle of the second, and then now it's like late first to in the second round. And I don't think it'll push back too much further than that. I, I definitely think we'll see him middle of day two on a roster somewhere already. And then with Galvin, it could be anywhere from like late day two, which was round two and three, which would be round three, late day two, uh, to somewhere, you know, on, on day three, which is anywhere from rounds four through seven. But, yeah, I mean, I think they did fine, but just nothing like – that stands out to you and pops from their performances. Yeah, no no true headlines. I got a question on the uh, YouTube chat side about Dylan Doyle. Uh, Doyle's probably going to end up being a free agent, the guy that they add as an unrestricted free agent, undrafted free agent, I mean. But there's a chance he could go late, like sixth, seventh round, if someone really falls in love with kind of what he could do as a fullback or a special teams type thing. That's kind of where I see him fitting in. Um, and then I also got a question about DJ Lagway. Um, and yes, he's committed to Florida right now, has been committed for a while. I will say, though, he's one of those quarterbacks who committed but still kind of has a relationship with the Baylor staff. Um, So I'm not going to say that Baylor's pressing hard because they're really not, Um, but there's still a relationship there. And so that might be something to pay attention to as we get further along in this process. But right now, nothing's changed with him. He's locked into Florida. Yeah, and Dylan Doyle, uh, he got hurt in the all-star practices, and I never did see a follow-up on to what extent, uh, but I do know that he got injured. What would that have been the – what game was he in? I'm trying to think. It was a Shrine game or I don't think East it was West a Shrine. shrine. I don't think it was the Shrine. It wasn't the Senior Bowl either. I'll have to look that up. But uh, he got injured apparently in that week of practices and uh, have not heard, like I said, anything else since then. So hopefully it's nothing too serious. Um, but that will certainly affect your draft stock. And I don't think that he was like a guaranteed like third-round pick prior to that or anything super crazy. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he's – Possibly a late round guy. I mean, possibly that could happen, but uh, I'm, I do think you're looking at more of the undrafted free agent route, and particularly if he's also dealing with an injury right now. So hopefully, you can hear more about that uh, in the near future. And I'm sure we'll talk to Dylan at some point here in the next uh, couple of months. But um, yeah, gosh, I can't find it now. They usually had like a postseason all star list, and I had one saved in my notes for like the longest time. 
uh, but I can't find it all of a sudden. So, yeah, whatever game he was in. And then DJ Lagway, he's definitely heavy recruiting for Florida, uh, where he is committed. You definitely see a lot of Gator stuff on his mm-hmm. timeline. But as we saw with uh, last signing day, he's never, <laughs> never rule anything out, but definitely not starting rumors or anything. He is a Florida Gator. But, uh, yeah, it's recruiting. So, you know, there's always, there's always a chance, I suppose, but I'm not getting too uh, – too crazy on on expectations yeah there. And I, I wouldn't either and i know people mention oh it could be a situation like um uh sawyer robertson like maybe he'll come back yeah. you know down the road that's so <laughs> hard to predict i mean i will say he loves baylor he's always loved baylor but at the end of the day florida was just a better fit for him and and kind of they you know they kind of checked every box that he wanted yeah. checked. Um, and also, you know, when you see what happened with Anthony Richardson, it's hard not to compare the two um, when you look at them play, frankly. But uh, I do think as you move down the road a little bit um, and he kind of figures out what exactly he wants out of his college experience, you know, maybe he turns back to Baylor. But right now, like I said, I got to talk to him at the Under Armour or at the uh, – American Bowl I talked to he and his dad for a while they were on the sideline just watching and um, he likes where he's at with Florida and he's all in right now fully committed not looking at taking any visits elsewhere so that's kind of where things are at just on his current recruitment good for him and as Grayson mentioned a lot of other quarterbacks now in the mix as uh, the Bears move on to you know other names and uh, that's certainly something to keep tabs on over on Sikkim365.com throughout the spring and, and next several months and it was the NFL PA Bowl that, that Doyle was playing in where he got dinged up apparently um, but yeah we'll see and then you know undrafted free agent wise I do expect there will be you know maybe not a handful of guys there'll be two or three others and, and Dylan will be or Dylan Doyle will be one of those guys that, that probably signs a contract, but beyond that, there's you know obviously nothing guaranteed. So Eakin Galvin is what you're looking at as far as the meat and potatoes of uh, this upcoming draft. Uh, before we get to the mailbag, anything else? Softball continues rolling along. Baseball, it's a fight right now. They're they're definitely struggling early in the Mitch Thompson era. We knew that was part of what was to be expected. Uh, they were picked last in the Big Twelve. Got Big Twelve ball coming right around the corner here in the next what couple of weeks with K State. Uh, first up at home, uh, but anything else that you want to touch on? Yeah, it, it looks like it's going to be a struggle for the baseball team. Uh, oh yeah, it just just I mean it was expected to be that, and it doesn't look like they're going to be able to really turn that around this year. I, I just don't know that they have the talent on the roster at this point. Softball though, playing great. Um, that, that's a program to watch going forward as far as what they could do this season. And they're 17 and three. I think they're getting closer and closer to being, you know, really considered a, a contender. And as the season progresses and they enter Big 12 play, which is going to be just a uh, a battle, it's going to be a grind every single weekend. Um, but I'm expecting them to come out, you know, pretty well and, and potentially earn a, a number one seed in a regional. I think they definitely have that ability and that capability, and that would be really, really cool to see them get back to that point. Yeah, long uh, journey to get there. Uh, a lot of games to play, but uh, Dariana Orm has been sensational, and if she could throw overhand, uh, Baylor baseball could probably use her. I mean, that, that <laughs> pitching staff is is the start of the, the issues. I mean, they're giving up runs and, and gobs and – uh, that's that's difficult to overcome. So yeah, they're definitely feeling some growing pains. But on the flip side, uh, for for the softball team, uh, she's been Dariana Orm's been fantastic, and they've got a really good team uh, who had another big weekend. So yeah, definitely uh, something to keep an eye on there. To the mailbag we go, and uh, just a couple of questions this week, starting with Scotty B. Why has Caleb Loner from men's basketball struggled this season? Yeah, I mean, the thing of it was he wasn't really a dominant player at BYU. Um, This Baylor staff took him because they saw the upside, felt like he would fit in great with what they're trying to do, felt like he would become a a better shooter than he has become at this point. Um, But when you watch him play, you know, at this moment, he's just not a great basketball player yet. And you can see it. He looks very um, undecisive with the things that he does. It, It feels at times he's almost, you know, getting in the way, which has a lot to do with basketball IQ and spacing and things like that. And so um, he just hasn't really fit into their rotation and fit in the way that I think they expected him to and the way they've needed him to. And that's unfortunate. Um, And, you know, I know a lot of people have been, you know, saying a lot of not great things about Caleb, you know, on the board and, and things like that. And, you know, 
that's sad to see, and I feel bad for him because it hasn't gone the way I'm sure he hoped as well. Uh, but in general, you know, it's just those things of um, I just don't think the talent that the staff felt like they saw at BYU has translated uh, to Baylor. Have you ever dealt with a sensitive athlete's parent in person when watching a sport? I had this happen on Sunday when men's tennis took on Furman and the mother of the player took offense to the tennis term double bagel. She then warned me not to say anything mean, which I didn't say anything mean, and I told her, look, if players have issues with the crowd saying mean words, they can talk to the coaches and chair umpire about it. So any uh, any <laughs> similar anecdote? I can't say for me. Uh, normally I'm in the press box, so even if I yelled, well, that's that's a no-no to begin with. But even if I did, nobody would, would be able to hear it most likely. But uh, I can't say that I relate. How about you, Grayson? Yeah, I mean, it's happened to me when I've been at a game as a fan, you know, when at various events and whatnot, but not a parent of a player i haven't really come across that usually you know if you go to like an nba game you're not really by a parent of a player if you're at even a college basketball or like a big event game you're not really near a parent either um so yeah i mean it just so happens that a tennis match yeah you're gonna hear pretty much everything so yeah no i i can't say that i've had that happen but you know I understand parents get sensitive for their kids. Yeah, we also don't know what Scotty said. So, Scotty, <laughs> yeah, keep it. A- I think he's giving us the PG version. Okay, That's, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Scotty out there just talking that trash. No, uh, but no. He said he just, he said he, all he said was double bagel. Yeah, no, so, I'm, but, I'm playing. Um, yeah, no, can't, can't fully relate, but also don't attend at nearly as many events from that same, you know, like just uh, point of view. I'm, Stuck in the mud media, so we yeah. don't don't throw out like a lot of stuff we during don't get games. To yell. <laughs> yeah, not not at all. So thank you, Scotty. Appreciate it. And uh, that was a nice win by tennis to to beat Furman. They've mm-hmm. needed some wins uh, as they've just kind of hovered around five hundred or slightly below a gauntlet. Oh yeah, they played the a super tough My schedule. Gosh. So it was nice to to get a win over Furman. Pawpaw Bear, any reports on how Drake Dabney's doing after his leg surgery, i.e., strength and conditioning videos, lifters of the day. Yeah, I, I've seen his name pop up a little bit on um, on those things, and I, I've I've heard that he's doing pretty well. And so I, I think for him, it's just making those positive steps in the right direction. But I, there's nothing that I've seen that says he won't be ready to go for spring ball and ready to get out there and you know get things moving in, in that way. Um, I haven't heard anything. We'll see. We'll see how cautious they are with him. But um, I think he's going to be a guy that's going to be ready for the spring. Yeah, I don't know about uh, spring status. Uh, hopefully that's something that, you know, Dave Aranda will be pretty transparent about yeah. that first day. Uh, sometimes he is, sometimes he isn't. And it'd just be nice, like, I, it, you know, in spring ball, at least it, we we all know he got hurt last year. So I don't think there's any harm in saying if he's out or if he is going to be halfway or whatever. I mean, those are the kind of things that are really not that big of a deal. And uh, are nice little morsels for the fan base to chew on in the meantime. I, th- I think that if you could drop a few more of those, they would keep people's interest a little bit more peaked rather than worrying about revealing too much. You right. know what I mean? And the good news is they have you know Jake Roberts and Kelsey Johnson who have played yeah. a lot. They have Gavin Yates who's been a productive walk-on, and um, they got young guys as well. So even if he's not in, they still have a nice little tight end room that they've built, and you know they can always be cautious with him. Um, and he was a big loss for this team last year. I felt sure. like they, their offense really took a step back when he was gone. All right, so broken fibula, and this is like total WebMD type of thing here, just Googling. How long does it take to recover? Uh, but you're looking at 10 to 12 weeks. Uh, just on average, it appears he got hurt in the very beginning of November. So he'd be um, – yeah, he should be well past that at this point. Yeah. He should be like in week 17, 18. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you would think that he's – He's pretty well recovered, uh, but yeah, we'll we'll learn soon about that what that means for his status for spring ball. Because at worst, we'll see his jersey out there or not, and and who knows how they ramp him back up. But yeah, all indications are that he's good, Papa. So appreciate the question. Bearcats will close us out here. What type of teams are a bad matchup for the Baylor men's basketball team in the NCAA tournament? Any specific schools that are bad matchups for us? Thank you, Bearcats. Yeah, I mean, I I think the teams that are really physical. Um, and play really good defense while having a lot of length on the perimeter are an issue um, for Baylor. And so, I mean, even if you just kind of simply look at Ken Palm, obviously the teams that are balanced are going to be a problem for Baylor as well. Um, um, But I I do think the more that I've watched them play, I think the length on the perimeter 
is a problem for their guards at times. And then I think the teams that rebound at a really high level while being physical, um, they can be a problem as well. Now, specific teams, obviously, if you look at the very top of things and you look at a, a team like Alabama, extremely athletic, extremely long, good on defense, and good on offense. They're kind of a balanced team. That would not be a great matchup um, for Baylor. I, I guess some other ones that maybe stand out. Um, the, Kansas State, Iowa State. <laughs> well, Kansas State, Iowa State, yeah, if you oh, have to no, play them, that, yeah, that definitely could be an issue. There was one that I was looking Oh, I, well, Marquette was not great when they oh, played yeah, them. No, that was uh, not good. But that was on the road. I do think Marquette not having a great defense would help them. But, again, Marquette's still long, athletic um, in that regard. Uh, as far as kind of lower down some kind of random teams that might not be great, like if you look in the Big Ten like a Rutgers not great offensively, but very, very good defensively. They have some length. They're pretty big down low. They could be an issue, um, and that would be kind of an earlier game that they would get a, a team like Rutgers. Mississippi State kind of of that similar vein. Long athletic, very good on defense and eh, on offense, but again, against Baylor, a lot of teams just get hot offensively regardless of where their offense ranks. So those are some, I think in general, you know, it's kind of going to be more of those things where when we see the bracket and see who they're actually going to have to play, that'll be nice to dive a little bit deeper into these teams. Uh, this is just based off who I've actually been able to watch. Um, I would also say, you know, if they had to play Arkansas again, that would not be great either um, because Arkansas got Nick Smith back, who is a lottery pick, and they pushed Baylor to the brink when they played them. Very athletic, very good on the glass. That'd be another team uh, just kind of that I can name off the top of my head. All right, so, so Bearcats, hopefully that answers your question. We do appreciate you as well as uh, Papa and Scotty B. And, um, yeah, a lot of ground covered. Uh, anything before we head on out of here, Grayson? No, I'm just excited and hoping that uh, this Baylor program can come out and, and show a lot of fight this week um, in these Big 12 tournament matchups. It's going to be fun to watch them. Uh, outside of that, if you're not a premium subscriber, be sure to join. we got all kinds of news, content, and we're really gearing up towards spring football uh, coming up soon. Then, of course, 365 Sports Radio, Monday through Friday, 3 to 6, uh, for all your college football news. And kind of, I guess right now, you are going through prep for spring football for a lot of programs nationally. Yeah, I think we're going to do a little bit of uh, a tour around. Uh, not like physically. Uh, that'd be <laughs> cool, though. Um, but, yeah, we're going to have beat writers on from all over the country to kind of dip our toes into spring football and uh, just see what's kind of going on around not only the Big 12 but all over the nation as uh, we start to count down, even though it's a long countdown remaining to college football season. But very much college basketball season right now, so we'll have plenty of that as well. Uh, by the way, it's also kind of a realignment season as that's just a topic that, that won't go away. Mm -hmm. And I uh, did see from Pete Thamel that, you know, there's some scuttlebutt about there being a Pac-12 uh, mentioned by Colorado in their, their meeting that was coming up today. Um, but it looks like... Tomorrow, right? Um, no, I think it's today. Oh. Um, okay. Yeah. Um, but doesn't look like any vote uh, will emerge from Colorado's executive session with its regions tomorrow. I guess it is tomorrow. I thought it was today for some reason. I could have sworn and it was today. The name of it is their, in quotes, legal advice on specific matter athletics update on the Pac-12. Yeah, those are two of the bullet points. And so that's that's led to a lot of people looking way into what that could mean and mm -hmm. like going so far as to say, oh, well, that means that they're talking about voting to stay in the Pac-12. And like, I don't want to go that far. It might have nothing to do with anything. And the mention about the Pac-12 may just be like, hey, our new TV deal is coming up, and yeah. this is what we're expecting. Uh, but regardless, that's obviously something that everybody's paying close attention to, although I don't know that that would be the place where the big news would necessarily emerge from, would be the, the Colorado meeting. But right. who knows? Uh, it's enough of an interesting topic that that's now become a – uh, an event that everybody's looking forward to seeing exactly what might be said. So I guess we'll find out more on that tomorrow. I've maintained, I think, that the Big 12, at least in terms of the Pac-12, is not going to poach any schools, but I know a lot of people feel differently. And so that saga continues on is, is the point. Uh, but let's see what other light is shed the remainder of this week. Uh, all right, so uh, Garrett, uh, anything before we go here, man, from your end? 
Nah, I'm good, man. All right. Uh, appreciate you behind the scenes pushing all the right buttons. Uh, your input on the, the women's team and your coverage there. You can check out Garrett's coverage over on Sikkim365.com. Uh, and the women, of course, getting underway on Friday night, the men on Thursday morning. So a lot to talk about from uh, what happens in Kansas City here in just a couple of days. For Grayson Grunhafer and Garrett Ross, I'm Craig Smoke. This has been the BearCast. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening on Sikkim 365.